always in that vein of, you know, how can I help people? And uh, it just strikes a chord with me, so I can't not do it. Throughout my entire adult career of, you know, working, whether it was in automotive safety, right, where I could help people save lives, you know, and then even when I was an organizer and I would joke that I was like helping people create lives worth saving, which I thought was a little too over the top, but, <laughs> but at the very least I knew I was helping them either, you know, with their lives in their home life or then as I progressed to businesses and helping businesses with their um, organizational things, whether it was with their clients or, you know, again, creating assistance for them, it, it was always in that vein of, you know, how can I help people? This time, talking to Sarah. You know Sarah because she answers the phone calls and sends out the emails, but there's a lot more to Sarah. Tell us uh, who you are and um, the the short history of how you got here. Here being, here. you know, Northwest Navigation. <laughs> okay. I was going to say. In our living room with the yeah. cats. <laughs> well, my name is Sarah Kirkish, and I am the reservationist shore support and cat staff for Northwest Navigation. Those are my official titles, cat staff being the most important one, and I think I think that's probably the best way to start of how I got to Northwest Navigation is through uh, cat staff duties. Prior to that, of course, I was a passenger on one of the San Juan Islands cruises. But in the summer of 2012, I offered to house sit and cat sit for Jeffrey and Christine and more importantly for Harriet and Oswald. That was the first year that I lived in Bellingham. Before that, I'd lived all over and was kind of moving around and continued to move around even afterwards. But I kept coming back in the summers to, again, be a house sitter and a cat sitter. And somewhere in there, I really kind of tried to lobby for, hey, can I help you guys with some things like answering emails and phone calls and when you guys especially are up in Alaska and then I think at one point, Harriet decided when I had come back for the summer that she was just going to promptly sit down in my lap. And Christine realized that the, the winter folk had been dismissed and that the summer folk were right. here. So I, I think that was, Harriet really was my interview. That is interesting. Your, your interview was, she approved. Yeah. <laughs> yes, our cat approved of you. And, <laughs> yeah, that was very funny because when you walked in the door and she saw you that day when we were... We were getting ready to move on to the boat for the summer, and you had uh, you had just showed up to take over the house. She her big green eyes just lit up, and she seriously just jumped right up into your lap and curled up. And then she looked up at you while she was sitting in your lap, and she was kind of kneading a little bit, and she gave you those love eyes. And then <laughs> I felt so so happy to know that I could leave the house and the cats would be totally happy and they probably wouldn't think of us for at least another six months until we got home <laughs> and Oswald he hardly noticed yeah yeah he's like the food dish is full that's all that matters humans are making sure the food dish is full one of the things that I've always found really fascinating about you is that you have an engineering degree which 
to me is amazing and it's very different for me. I've got a degree in anthropology and I've also never really, I've never been, I've always strived to be an organized person, but I've never been an organized person. And um, one of the things we say um, around the house all the time is that everybody needs a Sarah because Sarah's keep us in line and and help <laughs> us with everything. Um, tell me about how it is that you came to have an engineering background. One of my favorite engineering stories was when I was in junior high, I think it was, you know, my parents both worked and so I kind of kept myself entertained. And one day I took apart all the phones in the house. And this is when they were still connected with wires. They weren't all just circuit boards. And I put them back together. And about three out of the four worked. One had a loud, really loud dial tone. But my mom, who was a scientist, pretty much decided that A, she needed to keep me more entertained. And two, that I should consider a career in engineering because I like to figure out how things work. I like to take things apart or, or just see how that they... Uh, they interacted with the world. So that's how I kind of became an engineer. But then when I went into engineering school, I was really interested in biomechanical engineering primarily. So it was a this kind of hybrid between how bodies work and engineering works, stresses, forces, that sort of thing. And I thought maybe that was gonna lead towards a pre-med, something more medical in nature. And it actually turned out that while I was in college, I went on a tour at Ford Motor Company and there was an automotive safety section that they had. And they had crash test dummies and like air, real crash test real dummies. crash test dummies and seatbelts and airbags and they were designing cars to make cars safer. And I thought, oh my gosh. I, you know, instead of being a doctor and patching people up after an accident, I could maybe try to prevent accidents or injuries and that just really resonated with me to you know kind of help people out and and that's how I became an engineer because I went into um that and um and then were I started you, were with, you at Wright State no no I was um, at Michigan Tech University okay. yeah way up in the upper peninsula of Michigan which is another reason why I like the Pacific Northwest just so you know I have to be above the 45th parallel <laughs> which I grew up in southeastern Michigan, which is, you know, just lower Michigan. But uh, I really enjoyed the trees, the forest, just the beautiful, you know, area. But they, uh, there's not a lot, there wasn't a lot of industry for in biomechanical engineers. So I kind of went into the automotive safety business. Um, but then as soon as I had heard about Bellingham, it kind of was one of those places. I was like, oh, maybe you should think about the Pacific Northwest. I was like, oh, all right. And when I got here, you know, several decades later, I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty nice. Some of the other things that have also impressed me about, about you has been your ability to organize. Mm. And I think uh, for a number of years, you ran a small business that was for organization, helping people organize. She's a pro. She is a pro. She's, <laughs> She's totally a pro. pro organizer. And, and before... And before that was amateur yeah. hobby uh-huh. organizing. And before, before you uh, uh, came to work for us, we contracted with you a little yeah. bit to help mm-hmm. help us kind of figure out our direction and where mm-hmm. we wanted to go with the business and how to like get some of the goals that we had had in mind mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, started and put a little path for that and uh, I'm sure you had clients from mm-hmm. lots of different different places is there one like 
maybe it's us, but is there, <laughs> is there one sort of story that stands out from, um, from your years of doing that? Well, I started out as, a, as an organizer in people's homes and just a little background. Uh, I had a, an aunt who unfortunately was a hoarder and it was really sad that she was a hoarder, not just because she couldn't, she didn't have people in her home, but she really, the reason why she had things in her home was she wanted to connect with her family. And so she bought things with the intention of giving it to them. And I realized that a lot of times when people are disorganized, they have the best of intentions. It's like, oh, I'm going to put this here because I'm going to work on that. Or, oh, I'm going to put this here, whether it's paper or things. They just don't, they don't want to put it away because they don't either trust that it's going to disappear or they just want to keep it front of, front of mind. And, um, and that's how I became an organizer was I, I wanted to help people to let, let go of that those sorts of things or find better ways so that they could live their lives instead of being ashamed of all this stuff that was cluttering up their lives. I, I, in some of my early stuff, I called clutter, mental clutter and physical form, you know, and then if you think about it, when you're in a cluttered space, it is hard to focus. It is hard to stay on track of what is it that you want to do because there's so many things pulling you in all those directions. And I think with regards to my organizational clients, that's where I try to help them. It's really to kind of get them prioritized, but also to recognize the why. Um, the why, the how-to of organization, I mean, there are tons of books of those written out, but a lot of times working with my clients, what I really enjoyed too is figuring out what was the why? Why were they doing that? If they were a banker, they were in a highly regulated industry, had to deal with tons and tons of paperwork, but they really cared about their clients, right? Kind of that same thing. And so I could remind them of that while we were working through different things that, you know, don't get organized because I said get organized or this book said you should get organized. Get organized because it will help your clients better when they call you and you can find their files right away, that sort of thing. And I, I think that is what inspired me to offer to help you guys is, you know, you do care about your clients so much and your passengers and you want them to have a great experience, but you're also super busy folks. And it's not like you don't have so many other things on your plate that I was like, you know, I, I can help them with this. I can be responsive. I can have templates and checklists and have gateways in a process. Sorry, that's my engineering side coming out, right. creating a reservation <laughs> system that has all those gateways that, you know, again, the purpose is ultimately not to be organized, but so that we can help our passengers. And actually, when you were talking about it, one of the things I didn't realize, I hadn't even thought about, was that people who do have organizational problems, most of them don't feel good about it. Oh, yeah. Like, I hadn't thought about the hoarders actually hoarding, but being being like unhappy with themselves for hoarding or whatever. Yeah. Or like the, the poorly organized people that are, you know... Every day they beat themselves up about. Yeah. The shame is really, really huge. And when people who know about me, it takes them a while to kind of get comfortable with the idea of I have to let go of this part that I've been thinking I should be able to do on my own and haven't been able to. It's obvious I haven't been able to. It's all on my desk in front of me. And when they do finally make that phone call, I'm so honored and I treat it in that way because it's huge. Um, and I know it was a struggle even just in the relief of letting go of this part of your business, but I knew it was also huge that you were honoring me with that to be able to just take that on.
So in the Allie Ward kind of thing. Yeah. What's the um, what's the best thing about your job? My my current job. Or what's the yeah? <laughs> I was gonna oh, say we hey. should talk about all oh, of your gosh. different jobs. Yeah. What's, <laughs> Cause, what's cause... the best thing out of out of any of your jobs? Well, I mean, certainly that I get to go to Alaska. That's yeah. a really great jo- perk. I can't stress that that's why you guys are my favorite bosses. <laughs> um, but to give everybody a rundown, I have currently I have four jobs. And my, my bosses, I have four bosses. Well, technically five, but four bosses. I have my boat bosses, Jeffrey and Christine. Uh, I have a local coffee roaster that I help out. He's my coffee boss. I also do some things for the Port of Bellingham. And so I my port boss. And then on the side, just because, I work for the Humane Society. And those are my animal bosses. I'm not sure about <laughs> yeah. the Humane Society bosses. Yeah, I don't know. Because the Humane Society, I get to take breaks and go pet kittens when I need a break. And that's kind of a good perk. But I could do that here on the days when I'm at the house. So cat access, maybe that's going to be a criteria going forward for new new jobs Cat yeah, the access. port doesn't have very many cats. Not too many cats. There it? might be some feral cats around. I haven't yeah. seen any. I haven't seen any for a while, yeah. but we used to occasionally see hmm. a feral cat. There's some feral rabbits. Oh, there's some yeah. rabbits oh yeah. No, I, yeah. yeah. I saw a rabbit. In feral a always makes it sound like things are scary. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of feral rabbits. But they're like, funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. Okay. There, there are no feral rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> we saw rabbits in the wild yeah. outside of Squalicum Point, yeah. or uh, Zuwanich Point mm. and Squalicum Boathouse. And actually, it was interesting. There was this planter, and this rabbit was in the planter, and there was these bushes and a tree, and there was this crow. And the crow would try to go do something on the ground inside the planter, and this rabbit was charging the crow. Like It was hey. a feral rabbit. It was, feral <laughs> it was an rabbit. aggressive rabbit. It was an aggressive <laughs> rabbit, like, no. And the crow would just kind of hop up and then get out of the way. And then he, you know, he, while the rabbit was doing other things, he tried to get back down on the ground. And I think maybe there was a nest nearby is what I would suspect. But that rabbit was like, nobody, this is my planter. These are my shoots. Get out of here. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, that's, it was, that's quite a rabbit. It's high, crazy. High, yeah. high drama at, yeah. uh, at the port. <clears throat> there are some other things that you do that oh. isn't just work-related. You're an avid crocheter and knitter. I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. kind of have a yarn problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, I haven't reached uh, my yarn stash. Isn't quite beyond live, uh, life expectancy, but uh, that is this term that knitters and crocheters do have. Is like if their stash is beyond life expectancy. Um, but uh, yeah, right. Actually, after I left Bellingham in 2012, I was I was in an RV and we had limited internet and. TV access and I just I needed something to keep my mind and to keep my mind active and and I I remember I had a great aunt who taught me how to crochet but I didn't remember any of it so I went online and I just kind of learned how to crochet and I was like oh this is fun because the time is going to pass regardless but at the end of it you've got something you can hold up but then you start becoming it becomes an issue when you have so many hats. There are only so many hats you can wear. So scarves. How many scarves can you wear? And then you start giving them away. And you know. Um, but the nice thing about the David B is that every season there needs to be a new set of pot holders and handle holders for the cast iron skillet that Christine has because she seems to bake the ones that I make her. But that's okay. Oh yes, I need like three more right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And but you know, so every season I'm like, well, what would you like? And then. 
whenever I'm on the David B, um, it seems like I'm always making some sort of shawl or lapgan or you know something, and it winds up in the staterooms, which is kind of neat actually to see my stuff. I'm like, oh, I remember that. That was 2015. Oh, that was 2017. Or I got this yarn in Juno, and those are the kinds of things that I really like about being a crocheter and a knitter. Is actually now that I travel. I won't get a souvenir, I'll just get a skein of yarn, and it's always the same weight, but then I can remember where I got it from, and then when I make it and inevitably give it away to somebody, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. At one point, um, I thought it was really cool, your uh, urban nomad <laughs> yeah. life for yeah. a while. Oh, yeah. Um, like, what inspired that? And, and well, You know, I, the urban nomad part, I... I grew up in southeastern Michigan, worked in the automotive industry, thought I was an engineer, I was going to live, die, you know, the whole thing right in that one little corner of the world. And then somewhere I got a chance to go to Washington, D.C. and completely relocated myself. And it was scary. Oh, my God, it was so, so scary. And then I got to come back and I was like, oh, well, that was hard the first time. But but then I got a chance to move to Texas. And I'm like, okay, well, that that's all right. You know, it was time to leave Michigan. There'd been a recession and it was, it was a good time to leave Michigan. And then really didn't like Texas, not so much because of the state itself, but I'm just not a hot weather kind of gal. I need to be North. And so, um, I didn't quite go that far North, but then moved to North Carolina where at least there were four seasons in Western North Carolina near the Smoky Mountains. Beautiful area, by the way, Asheville, North Carolina, highly recommend it. It was, it was gorgeous. And then from there, the person I was with, he got a job or well, got a chance to go on the David B that was around the 2010 timeframe. So I got to see the Pacific Northwest. I said, wow, this is really nice. And then later that same year, he got a job and that's when I officially moved to Bellingham. Then from there, um, I, we had an opportunity to get in an RV to, for a weekend. It was like a, a, it was actually an auction item at the Wacom Humane Society. So there's this whole full circle thing that just keeps <laughs> happening. Um, and you went on the went in this weekend trip with the RV, and I'm like, this is really cool. You can do this, and we into camping and all that. Um, and uh, and I don't know. Somehow he took me seriously, and he's like, I want to buy an RV. I'm like, oh, well, I thought maybe it's something we would do like ten years from now, not next summer. And and so that kind of happened, and then it it was actually really coincidental with your shop building the rv in the in your backyard using your shop while you're in alaska i'm house sitting all of that kind of came together and from there there was a trip uh, there was a winter in wisconsin don't necessarily in an rv, in an RV. <laughs> don't necessarily recommend a winter in wisconsin in an rv but this is another thing that I found out about the nomad lifestyle is that it does kind of work out. I called this guy on Craigslist because he said, you know, places for RVs to stay. And it turned out he had a barn, which in winter in Wisconsin, we needed the barn. We needed to be inside because there was so much snow on the outside. It was just kind of wicking up underneath and it was crazy. And it was funny how that just kind of progressively, you know, you, the more you kind of trust it's going to work out okay, or at least trust yourself that you can handle it even if it doesn't work out okay you just get more and more of that experience and so winter wisconsin and then um and then new mexico and uh and then from there i was at a point where i was by myself and single and i said if i'm gonna live anywhere i want to live in bellingham and i was already working for you guys remotely because right. i could do what i was doing emails and phone calls you know it didn't matter where i was so 
I just said, I'm going to move to Bellingham. And that was 2016. And when people say, a lot of people come from other areas when they go to Bellingham. And so they always often ask, oh, you know, you know, how long have you been in Bellingham? And I'm like, well, I got here as fast as I could. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I love my RV. Um, yeah. So here's again the full circle. So um, lived, moved to Bellingham and I was uh, living with some roommates. And then, um, you know, it kind of turned out that I was like, you know, I'm tired of having roommates you know, move out. It wasn't something they kept having other relationships and moving out. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm just by myself. So, and then uh, friends of friends had an RV that I could purchase. And guess what? Friends of friends made it so that I could live on their property. And so that's what I'm doing now. And I, I love my little space. It's the years in the RV uh, around the country was fine. But then the thing about just having your own little nest, I kind of like it that way. It's got everything I need. And yeah, you. It's funny. You're always moving things around in the RV. It's just you're just like, oh, I need this. Oh, I need to move this out of the way. Oh, I need to move this out of the way. And it's like this little rabbit trail, even though you're in like, you know, a hundred square feet. Yeah. It's very similar to living in a boat. <laughs> yes, I bet. <laughs> yeah. When I went backpacking, really for the first time in my twenties, and I thought, wow, I can really, you can still live with pretty minimal stuff and you have to carry it. So you have to prioritize. That really was kind of like, wow, this is kind of a challenge. I think I want to try to meet. And somewhere in my 20, late twenties, early thirties, I was married at the time and, you know, did the basic, you know, full corporate job and a house and all that stuff. And, and I thought, you know, why are we having all this? It was kind of like a checklist. And I thought, you know, maybe there's a different way. And I, I, that's when I first started getting into organizing and decluttering. And, and I like that there's two definitions that people uh, try to remind people of. Decluttering is getting rid of things you don't need, that they're not serving you. And minimalism is finding out how little you need to really be satisfied. And I always try to find that balance of just enough. So, When I like the RV that you have now, yeah. um, it's, it's kind of like on the concept of the tiny home. Yeah. But I think it's actually considerably more efficient than a lot of the tiny homes. Like, I think it has the same footprint. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just better laid out, I think, compared to a lot of the those, like, because because it's designed to be an RV and they're mm -hmm. okay with that, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to have a front porch. Yeah. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to have some other things like that. It doesn't have to have a sloping roof. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And... And and there's a really cool thing about like the fact that you can just hitch it up and head down the highway. True. And yeah. and that's like a really liberating kind of yeah thing that you, that's it. I'm out of here. Yeah. No. No. yeah, but I mean, the, no, but I'm not. Yeah. The thought of that yeah. is actually okay, kind of cool. Have internet access. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Internet access when you're a nomad is key. I will say that. Um, so we've covered my two big addictions, cats, <laughs> cats, cats and yarn. Yeah, and it's funny that I don't actually own or have cats of my own. I just have cat access, as we said before. Right. You know, and my jobs, my favorite jobs, have cat access. Um, and so, yeah, cats, yarn. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I really enjoy is is helping people out. And whether it's a business that's got a, a inspiring mission or a vision like the Humane Society for you guys and, and everything we get to do with you know sharing these beautiful places with our passengers um, even my my local coffee boss who you know he's just a mom and pop you know him and his wife are making these coffee and I get to help them out with that and just you know it's 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 nice to be able to do that and just be a bit more 
um, take things off people's plates so that they can focus on what they're good at. Um, I don't know, I think we covered everything, you know, engineering, organization, nomads, yeah, food, yeah. Crochet, yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, generally wanting to help people. I think, uh, I think I, life's pretty good. I'm, I'm really happy. Like we say, everybody needs a Sarah. Music is from Blue Dot Sessions. You can find them on the web at sessions.blue. Until next time, fair winds. Yeah. There so was something else I was going to ask you about. Yeah. And I can't was it about cats? Because, you know, I can yeah. answer anything you want to know about cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.